Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I wanted to pop in at the beginning of this uh, podcast episode and tell you that uh, today's episode isn't up to the usual uh, sound quality standards that we have uh, away from the computer, away from my desk, away from my equipment. So... I uh, record this one on the go. So uh, I think there's some valuable things in here, but uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it and uh, be able to deal with the lower sound quality. Thanks. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. John said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foam pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. And welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbro, and glad you're joining me today. And today we're going to be talking about homesteading on a temporary property. It is August 2nd, 2018. This is episode 101. And um, do you want to start homesteading someday, but don't live on your forever homestead? You don't plan on staying at your current location too long? So what can you do right now, right where you are? even if it's a temporary situation. That's what we're going to talk about on this podcast episode. Before we jump into that, let's just uh, talk about a few things that are going on around my place. Uh, Didn't get the last couple episodes out because I got real busy around here. We had some main sewer line issues. I had a, um, oh man, I'll tell you, homesteading isn't just gardening and livestock, folks. It is dealing with problems around your property. And uh, we had a doozy this week. I actually have one of those, uh, it's called a backflow stopper in my basement floor. I have a drain in my basement floor. And that thing somehow went down the pipe. It, it's been in there for, for a long, long time. And I guess it just, I don't know if it has deteriorated enough to where it got a little loose in there or what, but it actually got down the pipe. And the thing is, it's made to fit perfectly in that pipe. It presses down in there real hard. You know, it's a rubber, it's got rubber on the outside, metal in the middle. It lets water flow down slowly but not come back up so if you get rainwater or something in your basement it can go down but sewage can't come up if it gets backed up and um yeah that thing went down my pipe and it evidently it it went it went quite a ways on its own it went about 12 feet down the pipe and it turned and basically totally plugged the pipe at that point and there was no getting this thing out. I mean, it was, you know, I was ramming it with tapes. I even rented an auger, one of them big heavy uh, duty plumbing augers and tried turning it to try to push it through. I, I tried hooking it. I tried all kinds of things. So uh, someone in the uh, our Homestead Front Porch Facebook group had the suggestion, you know, you can get one of those uh, borescope cameras and uh, they're, they're not expensive and you can feed that down there on an electrician uh, fish hook and see what you got, at least see the situation, maybe see something you can hook to and pull that thing out. 
So I, I bought one from Amazon. They really weren't that expensive. It was like 28 bucks. I was kind of surprised for a 50-foot camera. Hook it to your laptop. I fed that thing down there, and I'm glad I, I'm glad I got that because – I actually fed it in from both directions so I could see exactly what the situation was, why it wouldn't go any further. So I have a clean-out pipe outside, so I kind of turned it back and brought it up the other way, and I could see it from both sides. Well, there was no pulling it down because, well, where the um, the outside pipe connects to the, the tile that comes out of the house, it has like a rubber connector for that uh, coupling. And that it gave just enough to offset that, that uh, connection so those two pipes are like a quarter of an inch. Well, this rubber stopper fits perfectly in there, you know, so a quarter inch, it cannot go through. It offset it just enough to stop it and um, on those pipes. And I could see that in the camera. And from the other side, from where I'd have to pull it back, pull it back out, there was nothing to hook to. It was the bottom of that stopper and there was just nothing there uh, to hook to. So it, the camera at least showed me that boy sitting there for hours and hours and hours trying to, you know, fish this thing out or push it through was just useless. So I was glad I got the camera for that. So what was the next step? Well, I had to bust up the basement floor <laughs> and uh, I was going to jackhammer it or use a saw or something, but the rent tool rental place is already closed. It was Saturday afternoon by the time I figured all this out. So I got down there with a sledgehammer and I just started busting up the floor <laughs> with a sledgehammer and I ended up busting like a whole trench out of the floor, digging a couple feet down in the basement floor because it's about you know, my basement floor is about five feet lower than the ground outside. So it's about seven foot. It would have been about a seven foot hole to dig it up outside. So I dug it up and, you know, dug, bust up the floor, dug up that trench, replaced the pipe, you know, got all that out of there and, uh, you know, put it all back together. And wow, I'll tell you that that was about a four day. I was working on it uh, the weekend and a couple extra days, uh, you know, finishing things up. But what a job. But that's the kind of things, you know, that you get into uh, when you have a homestead. You know, it's not, like I said, it's not all, you know, uh, gardening and preserving and feeding the livestock. Sometimes you deal with home repair things and, and stuff that you may not want to deal with. But um, I'm glad I did it myself because that would have probably been a, a, you know, a couple thousand dollar at least uh, a job for a plumber to come in and do so. Yeah, that's that's what I've been dealing with the last couple of days. So I didn't get I didn't get up, get a couple episodes out here in uh, you know the last Thursday of last week and then and Monday of this week I, I had to skip the uh, the podcast. But we're back at it now, and today we're going to deal with uh, with some other questions. Um, also cleaned out two raised beds that had squash and, and onions in them, and I'm prepping those beds for their second planting, and I'll probably be doing that this weekend. And I'll be planting some kale and some chard and maybe some more beets and turnips and things like that. Stuff that'll grow pretty fast and you can grow late into the uh, into the season, into the fall. So I'll be, be getting that going. And I've also been just, I continually been planting a variety of lettuces. About every three or four weeks, I just, I rotate some spots and I pick a pot or I pick another little raised bed. And I just keep new lettuces growing. And that just keeps it available through the year. And I'll just continue to do that all the way up until you know it's close to snow flying and then we'll move everything to the greenhouse at that point also boy i've grown the tallest sunflowers i've ever grown or even seen for that matter they're they're um over 13 feet tall i measured one at just over 13 feet and there's another one that looks like it might outgrow it because it hasn't flowered yet and uh, it's just starting to but it looks like it might end up being just a little taller than the other one so 13 to 13 and a half feet on these sunflowers uh, there's those Ru Russian mammoth sunflowers. They're amazing. I've grown them in the past, but 
they've always been around, you know, 10, nine to 10 feet tall, but these are just overachievers and they're showing off and they're, they're, uh, they're amazing. Uh, they, I, it's the, um, I, I built like a privacy screen with the sunflowers between my yard and my neighbor's yard, just, just to give us some privacy from their yard. And I put it all along a chain link fence right there. And there's probably a hundred sunflowers right there. And at first I just didn't think that was going to be thick enough. It just, I don't know, birds came down and ate a few of the seeds after I planted them. And, and they were just kind of, at first they were growing a little bit spindly and didn't seem to be growing real thick and tall. And then all of a sudden, and like I said, I even think I mentioned it on the, on the podcast before. I just didn't know if it was really going to work real well as a privacy screen now that I planted them and they were growing. But man, did they take off and it's pretty thick and they're really tall and it's working very well as a privacy screen for the summer. No doubt about that. So amazing, amazing. Uh, we're getting lots of cucumbers around here. Just started canning beans. What else? Uh, oh, I, I picked a bunch of goji berries the other day because all those came on. And I don't, I don't really like the taste of goji berries. Now, I put them in things like I'll drop, you know, a few in a smoothie or something. And, um, you know, it, it, it have this nutritional punch to your smoothie that, you know, it's just nice to have. And uh, they're just, a, they're kind of a superfood. That's why I grow them. But I really just, they're, they're kind of, they're a little bland and they got like a, I don't know, there's a little bit of flavor and it's not a really great flavor, I don't think. But uh, someone uh, um, on my Facebook page Dan, I believe it was, uh, suggested that he heard that if you dehydrate them, they're a lot better. So I've actually never tried them dehydrated. So I've right at this very moment, the dehydrator's running and there is a whole bunch of goji berries in the dehydrator. So we're giving it a go. And um, and you just see what they taste like dehydrated because I'm curious now. <laughs> so I'll be reporting back on that if they're better when they're dehydrated or not. But I do like them in smoothies. Like really, they don't change the flavor of anything. That's kind of why I throw them in a smoothie. I'll put a handful of them in there. And, 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 and you know, the nutrition factor of goji berries is, is really good. So that's why I grow them anyway. But uh, let's jump into our question for today's uh, podcast episode. Uh, today's question comes in from Aaron. Uh, he says, I find myself in an odd spot as an aspiring homesteader. I'm in a home with about a quarter acre of space, plenty of room to start some projects. The issue I'm having in planning is determining what I should pursue, knowing that I will likely only be here about another two years. I'm in the Army and don't anticipate that I'll be staying in nor staying at this location. Do you have any advice on what would be best for a person in a short-term homestead? What kinds of skills can I sharpen? What projects have a shorter return of investment? Great question, and it's one that I think a lot of people probably deal with, and even me, uh, myself, I've dealt with this, or I, I thought I was dealing with this at one time, that is. Um, the possible reason someone might find themselves in a temporary property situation when trying to get started homesteading might be a job, you know, a temporary job where you've moved someplace to, to do a job for a year or a few months or something like that. Maybe you're just renting while you're saving money to buy a home, um, you know. A lot of people in that situation, you might be in an apartment, you might be in a little, you know, a little house and a small piece of land somewhere in a town or, you know, or you could be in a military like Aaron here and, um, you know, just be find yourself moving occasionally. And or, you know, it could even be just your first time starter home and you plan on maybe just staying there, saving up some money for a few years. And it is a property you've bought, but there's just not a lot you feel like you can do there. And uh, you don't want to, you know, do a lot of things that are long term in that little property, and and that just brings us to the real issues of of homesteading on a temporary property. What are the real issues? Because there is a lot you can do, but what are the real issues of that? And I think one of those issues is that you you 
you think you can't do enough that that matters because maybe you have a small property or or because you're limited on how much infrastructure you can build you think there's not a lot you can do so that might be one of the the real issues maybe you don't want to waste money on things that won't last you know you don't want to you don't want to spend a bunch of money putting together a bunch of things like you know raised beds aren't cheap you you buy the lumber you buy the soil you you fill them up you mend them you plant them and, and you know you have all this stuff that, that it all costs money you know it's not inexpensive to get started in a lot of these things, if that's what you want to do, uh, maybe you want to build chicken tractors, but you know there's some expense there. Maybe you know it just depends. There's a maybe you just don't want to spend the money on things that you're not going to be able to use for years and years and years. And I, I understand that. Maybe you just have the wrong mindset about what homesteading is. I don't think that's Aaron's situation because he even says there's a lot I can do here. But a lot of folks think that they just can't do very much on a small piece of property. So they're always dreaming about getting that big piece of land somewhere and they they never want to do anything where they're at because they think there's just not a lot they can do. So those are just some of the what I feel like are the real issues. Or maybe and, and I think one of the even the biggest issues with with homesteading on temporary property is folks don't want to hurt the resale value of their property. If it's a home you own they don't want to do anything that might drive the next buyer away. Uh, a lot of folks aren't into homesteading and they don't want to go putting in, you know, they don't want to have a bunch of uh, perennial vegetables growing around their house. They don't want to have a big, large garden and raised beds and all that. And you may have to tear all that out and kind of put it back to the way it was. So that's another real issue with homesteading on temporary property. So let's just uh, attack a few of those issues. Now, let me talk about first what what held me back for years. I was overthinking the whole temporary property situation. I really was. Um, you maybe have heard my story on past episodes, but you know, I lived in this house, we lived in this house for at that point before I started homesteading, I think it was like 18 or 19 years. And I'd always, I mean, this was our starter home in, in, in essence. We were just going to live here, save a bunch of money you know, and in, you know, in a few years when the kids were kind of grown up, we were going to buy that country home somewhere, lots of acreage, our dream place. And then I was going to get started doing all those things I wanted to do. And I just worked, 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 worked all the time. You know, I drive, I have my own trucking company. I'm working hard. I'm saving money. We're trying to, you know, do a lot of things. I don't want to fix nothing around this place. I mean, I was just, this house, I didn't like it. I just wanted to keep it maintained enough to where I could sell it someday. I we were letting things just fall apart around here, but I wasn't really doing anything to change the value of the property. Either. We wasn't upgrading anything. We weren't. I wasn't adding anything to the yard. I wasn't doing anything to this place that I wanted to see in a property because I just always thought of it as my temporary property. And I thought, you know, I just keep it basic, fix the things that break. You know, we might update the kitchen and bathroom at some point, and we did. We did do that. But that was it. I mean, we just didn't want to do a lot around here, or at least I didn't want to do a lot around here. My wife was fine with it. I, I didn't want to because I just thought of it as a temporary property. It really didn't, you know, it, didn't, it wasn't my dream home by any means. So I didn't do anything. Well, then, you know, I get sick and then I want to start homesteading right where I'm at. And I realize it's I'm probably not going to be able to see that dream property for many, many years. So I decided to start doing some things right where I was right now. And we transformed this little property. And now you may not want to do that. Because, but for me, it held me back for years. And I didn't think there was a lot I could do here. I always had that mentality, like homesteading took place on a lot of acreage. And, you know, uh, I needed lots of room to do all the things I wanted to do. 
And it was just, it was senseless to try to do it here. And I just didn't understand really what homesteading was. And I didn't understand all the possibilities of homesteading on a small piece of property. And I didn't even really understand how easy it would really be to reverse those things if, if it was necessary. So let's, let's talk about that. Homesteading projects you may want to avoid on a temporary property. If it's a property you own, there are a lot of things you can do. Now, if it's a rental property, there are a lot of things you might have to avoid because you, you definitely want to check with your landlord about things you can do unless you're doing things that, that don't affect the property. Like if you're digging into the ground, talk to your landlord about that. Make sure what you're doing is okay. Don't get in trouble. Um, but it, say you're in an apartment. Say you're going to grow in, in, in pots and things like that. You can do all that you want. What do you want to avoid? Say you own the property and you feel like you can pretty much do whatever you want on the property. What do you want to avoid? Well, you want to avoid any, you know, heavy permanent infrastructure that could affect the resale value of the property if you don't want to tear it down. So uh, building, you know, small buildings and things like that can affect, you know, if it's it's not done right and it's not something that's appealing to the next buyer, of course, that can that can have some some issues for resale. Planting things that, for one, really aren't going to have any return of value for you. I mean, if you put in a bunch of you know, fruit trees. And let me just put it this way. If you put in a bunch of mulberry trees, something that's going to cause an issue. Say you love mulberry, but you want to plant a couple mulberry trees on your property. Well, there's a lot of people who do not want a mulberry on their property, okay, because of the issues with birds and things like that. Or, or just fruit trees in general, because fruit trees can be messy. Certain fruit trees can drop a lot of stuff on the ground that a lot of people just don't want to deal with, okay? So, you know, you might want to not consider not doing that. You might want to consider not just filling your yard up with garden and raised beds uh, and things that you're going to have to tear out. There are going to be a lot of work to tear out. Things like that. Things that are going to be difficult to undo. Things that could hurt the property value if you don't undo them. Um, you want to avoid those kind of things. But there's a lot of things you can do that aren't like that at all. You can put in an annual vegetable garden. So let's just talk about these things. Let's talk about those things you can do. Let's talk about the annual vegetable garden. Yeah, putting up raised beds can be expensive, can be a lot of work to un undo those. Um, what about just planting in the ground? You know, get a rototiller or, or tarp an area of your ground and get a garden bed ready. You know, maybe at this point in the year we're doing this episode, uh, it's difficult at this time of the year, but you say you're going to be there a couple more years, you know, get, get you an area tarped off, kill the grass in that area, have it get start pre uh, prepping it for next year. Get out there with a rototiller and, and till it up in the in the spring if, if you don't start now. Get you something planted right in the ground. It don't have to be super big. You can plant a lot in, in a small garden and keep it going throughout the year with succession planting and, and so forth. And you can grow a lot of food in a small tilled up area in your yard. And let me tell you, that's not hard to undo. When it's time, you just got to kind of smooth that out. Go in there until it's smooth, get the ground good and soft. Go out there and kind of rake it smooth. Put some grass seed down, put some straw on that. Put some get, get a sprinkler on that for a few days. Guess what? The grass grows back. I have moved raised beds on my property several times. And, you know, you can't tell where they were. Because, you know, I put the grass seed down and we just kind of fix it. And, and I... Three times I've moved my raised beds and, and finally got them in a location where I wanted them permanently. But I had them in places before where, yeah, I don't think I really like them there. They're not getting a full sun. They're not doing everything they want to do. But, you know, that it was a temporary situation. I upped them. I moved them. It was a lot of work. But 
you know, it's not something that you can't undo, especially if you're planting in the ground. It's very easy to undo. But even raised beds aren't impossible to undo. Now, you got a little bit bigger mesh. you got to get rid of the soil. you got to get rid of the wood. I would probably go plant in the ground if I could in your situation. But that being said, if you can't plant in the ground, throw a couple small raised beds up, a couple 4x4s, a couple 4x8s. It's amazing what you can grow in, in beds that size on your property. So don't be afraid to even throw up a couple raised beds. They're not that hard to undo. You could plant some perennials. Uh, you want to be careful about planting a lot of perennials directly in the ground, but you could plant a couple, you know, decorative uh, bushes, ground cherry, blueberries, things like that. If they can grow good in your area, um, they look nice in the landscaping. So you could actually, you know, put in edible landscaping that looks nice, but also provide food on your property. A lot of people aren't turned off by that at all. You might want to avoid things like blackberry and raspberry and things like that because they can look kind of weedy, really bushy, a little out of control if they're not pruned properly. People probably aren't going, to, aren't going to want to mess with that maybe for your future buyers. So you might want to avoid those kind of more viney, straggly plants. But you know, stick with the more bushy type of perennial plants. Those look nice if you're going to put them in your edible landscaping. As far as uh, the other kinds of perennial plants and vegetables and fruits and things like that and uh, berries, you could plant those in, in planters. Now, that might be the first thing a lot of people go to. Say, well, if it's temporary, just use a bunch of planters. Well, you can do that. But I, for one, don't want to load up an entire U-Haul for planters when it's time to move. Um, so you can plant a large garden in planters and move it wherever you move. But big pots are heavy and bulky and they take up a lot of space. You can't stack them when you got plants in them uh, to move them. So it's going to be an expensive process moving all those plants. So I'm not that big on that. I would have a few pots because it's just, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And they're easy to dump out. Maybe you want to take a few with you. You get a couple, you know, three or four um, nice perennial bushes or something you want and keep going. That's fine. I'm not going to have a hundred of them, though, that I'm moving. So, yeah, I'm probably not going to do as much as that as what some people might suggest you do. It, it is a good temporary option. But it's a lot of work moving those things. But if, if you're, you know, up for that, then yes, you can plant a lot of things in pots. But I would limit that. I really would. Um, let's talk about small scale uh, raising of livestock. You know, uh, even on a quarter acre, there's a lot of livestock you could raise, even temporarily. And it would make a difference. Uh, chickens, meat chickens. You know, maybe you don't want to take on a bunch of egg layers because, you know, you're going to have maybe a year of good egg laying there, which, you know, I can't say that that's not not beneficial. But. You know, I mean, it does. It is something you're gonna have to build some infrastructure for. That's more permanent. Uh, having those egg layer chickens, I'd probably just go with some meat chickens. You know, raise four or six or eight meat chickens. Build you a couple chicken tractors and drag them across your property. You could do that. You could put up some um, electric netting. And uh, you know, we talked about this in a couple episodes ago you know, for a guy who was getting started with chickens. Um, throw up some, get you some electric uh, uh, poultry netting and raise a few chickens. You know, you could put you up a little temporary uh, coop and in there and you know have a place for them to go and raise some meat birds but you know run them across your yard in a chicken tractor wouldn't be expensive build a, you know, a chicken tractor or two a couple small ones throw uh throw a couple chickens in there and uh, drag them across your property and have you some meat birds it'd be worth it you know just for the quality of meat and the experience let's not forget the experience and all this you talked about building skills in your question um all of this even if you can't even if you think you can't do enough of it, it's going to make a huge difference in your diet, in your in your wallet, um, uh, just in your food 
that you're, you know, percentage of food that you're eating. So what? Do some of it for the experience and the skill building. Raising a few chickens will teach you a ton about raising chickens. Okay. So drag a few across your property if it's something you can do in your area. You could raise some rabbits, get you a couple meat rabbits, breed them a couple times over that couple years. You know, you could probably breed, you could probably breed them four or five times in the next couple of years. And, 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 and actually bring in a lot of meat. That's a lot of meat uh, that you're, you're doing. You're going to get experience with butchering rabbits and, and, and cooking the meat and eating it. And, and, and so it's going to be, it's going to be a great learning process. They don't take up a lot of space. You can get a couple cages and you can grow those and raise those rabbits in them. Same thing with quail couples, you know, a couple rabbit cages. You can raise quail in rabbit cages. You know, it's a couple small cages, raise a few quail. You're going to start getting eggs in eight to nine weeks. When they're eight to nine weeks old, you know, and, and they're great eating. And you know what? When it's time to do away with them, hey, I mean, it's the easiest it's the easiest animal there is to process. And you just process them and you can eat them in a, you know, you can eat, you know, several of them in a, in a couple weeks, you know, over a few meals. So it would be hard to get rid of when it's time to get rid of them. Uh, so, you know, getting some animals like that, absolutely worth it for for the food. And, and also for the experience of raising those animals, because then you're going to scale that up when you go to your new homestead. But you definitely do want to put a heavy focus on skills that can be used anywhere uh, for a lifetime. Uh, build on your food preservation skills. Um, learn to can and get better at it. Uh, you know, learn all the other things like fermenting and dehydrating and, you know, just even the simple things like blanching and, and freezing vegetables. You can get produce from a local farmer's market. Uh, or from local farmers, period. Just go out to the local farms and buy your produce. And you know what? You don't have to grow a ton. You can just start doing that and learning how to process that food, uh, preserve it, and, and even prepare it. Because I think cooking, learning to cook, is one of the, the greatest homesteading skills that you can develop. And you can do that anywhere. If you have a kitchen, you can learn to prepare food. Uh, learn to prepare food from scratch. That is, like I said, that is probably the greatest skill you will learn as a homesteader. Uh, it's a great time to learn to forage. Although if you do move to a different uh, growing zone, it could foraging could look completely different. I mean, where I'm at is not going to look like what it looks like in the, you know, the Northwest. It's not going to look what, you know, it's not going to be like it is down in Florida or Louisiana or someplace like that. Foraging is going to look different in different parts of the country, but it's still a great experience to get out there and learn to forage what's in your area. So foraging is something you could definitely learn. It's also an absolutely great time to learn uh, to hone your uh, your hunting and fishing skills, uh, and that's a fun. Those are fun skills to develop, and they can provide you a ton of food for your homestead. Um, you know, taking up fishing, you go fishing a couple times a week if you can. Oh my goodness, you can provide so much food for a homestead if you like fish. Um, put that in the freezer and really store that up, and it's a great time to really hone those skills. Hunting a small game like squirrel and rabbit. Uh, getting into the large game like deer, uh, and where you, depending on where you live, maybe even larger game. So just, you know, it's a great time to really hone those skills and develop a love for hunting and fishing if you don't already have that. As far as other skills that you can you can maybe take on, you know, you got to find your interests. What are the things that you're interested in? Um, back If you go way back to episode 31, go back and look it up. I did an episode on, on homesteading skills. Uh, go back and check out that episode. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but there's a whole bunch of other possible homesteading skills that you may want to develop. I mean, I talked about things like, you know, carpentry and leather work and just all kinds of things, tanning hides, all kinds of things in there that could interest you. I don't know what you're into. And every homesteader has a, a completely different area of skills that they want to develop that's unique to them, that they enjoy 
go look those up. Maybe a few of them uh, are something you want to develop that, that interests you. And a lot of those things can be done right where you're at. You know, start start honing those skills and developing them. And and you'll be you'll be really, really good at those things when you get to your permanent homestead where you're going to uh, scale everything up. So, um, yeah, hone those skills. It's a great time for that while you're doing that. But there is a lot of things you can do to actually provide for your homestead right where you are on a temporary property of a year or two or three uh, where you're at. So, you know, take the time to do a few things that will actually provide for you in your homestead. Don't let your temporary situation hold you back and keep you from your homesteading pursuits. Uh, just just count it as a special opportunity to learn and uh, and hone those uh, those useful skills, but still recognize it as a time of, of capable abundance because you can do a lot of things to bring in some food. Let me just give you a few book recommendations, uh, things that you might want to just read and uh, give you some ideas on, on some other things you might want to do. Uh, the Vegetable Gardener's Container Bible. It's a how to grow a bounty of food in pots, tubs, and other containers. That could be useful for you if you want to take on growing some some perennials or even some annuals in pots. If it's something, if it's a, an area you want to go down, uh, a book called Backyard Homesteading. It's a back to basics guide to self sufficiency. Subtitle is Learn How to Grow Fruits, Vegetables, Nuts, and Berries, Raise Chickens, Goats, and Bees, and Make Beer, Wine, and Cider. So <laughs> some great little. Uh, uh, nuggets there in a book like that. Uh, one I've recommended before is called The Backyard Homestead. Produce all the food you need on just a quarter acre. Hmm, you have a quarter acre, don't you, Aaron? So that's a great book for you. Uh, it tells about just, you know, really using that space to its max. Like I said, you have to be careful about that because it's a temporary situation for you. But, you know, there's a lot of good uh, advice in that book on things you can do on a quarter acre. So go check that out. Uh, this week on the Homestead Life segment, uh, what is something that's better in my life because of homesteading? Well, this week it's fresh vine ripened tomatoes. Yes, they came in a little later than normal, but our tomatoes are finally turning red. <laughs> it took them a while this year. I don't know. We had, uh, it's, it's been a while. I, it, I bet we're a month later than last year getting our tomatoes red, uh, but it's always worth the wait. Uh, once you start eating homegrown tomatoes, you can never Go back to those things they call tomatoes at a grocery store. You'll never be satisfied with them again. There's no doubt about that. Uh, there's nothing like biting into a fresh tomato right from your garden. Um, but beyond that, all the great products you can make from, from uh, garden tomatoes, salsa, tomato juice, spaghetti sauce, homemade ketchup, pizza sauce, you know, the list goes on and on. And um, yeah, it, it just tastes, all those things taste so much better when you make them from homegrown tomatoes than they do if you make them from tomatoes from the grocery store. There's just no doubt about that. And yes, my life is much better because of homesteading and homegrown tomatoes. So get out there and grow you some tomatoes if you never have before. And if you have, well, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you want to submit a question for the podcast, you can send your questions to ask at smalltownhomestead.com or call or text in your questions to our voicemail at 765-203-1949. And submit those questions as, as often and as many as you like. I need all the questions we can get. I've got a few in the queue, and uh, I appreciate uh, all of you folks who send in your questions. It really helps me keep the show going, and uh, we'll take as many as you can throw at us, and I appreciate it so much. Um, this podcast is made possible by those, ultimately, who join our Homestead Forum membership community. Uh, that's what's paying the bills for it. So I appreciate all you folks who are in the Homestead Forum community. 
lots of great benefits in there. You can learn more about that by going over to thehomesteadforum.com or just going to smalltownhomestead.com and following the links from there. Um, something new. Talked about it on the last episode, on our 100th episode, and that is the uh, the you can join the forum now. There's a lot of folks who say, I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to pay monthly or yearly to join the forum. You know, there's a lot of great benefits there. I mean, you get the extra podcast, you get the videos, you get there's some course material in there. There's some ebooks and things like that. There's a um, there's discounts to other vendors. You know, if you don't want to take advantage of all those other great things, those all access things. Yeah, those are great, and I appreciate the folks who join that. But you know what? I'd like you to just be a part of the forum in that group. And to be a part of that forum, you can join that forum for $1, and that's lifetime access. Now, why do I charge a dollar? I talked about this in the last episode. It keeps people out that we don't want in there. It keeps the trolls and the spammers out because they don't want to pay a dollar just to come in there and get thrown out. So they stay out. So, But come on over to the, the Homestead Forum and join the discussion boards. Be part of the forum discussions there. Um, for $1, you sign up. That's all you'll ever have to pay. Like I said, I would let, I'd let folks in for free, but I, I, I do the dollar thing just to keep the unwanted people out because people will just join just to come in there and start trouble. But nobody really wants to even lose a dollar. So, I mean, they would basically just throw their dollar away because I'd throw them out as soon as they started anything. But, uh, you know, it keeps it keeps that out. And, and I know you don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. So it works real well. But that's a great gathering place for us. You know, uh, Facebook is awesome, but Facebook has its issues. Forums are so much better for uh, finding information. They're better for building relationships and community. Um, It's just, and you're not playing in somebody else's playground that can shut you down at any point or control what you're doing in your your group. Here, you know, this is is our playground and um, we make the rules and nobody's going to shut us down because we're talking about butchering rabbits or something like that in our forum. So, you know, and you never know, you never know with Facebook policies and things like that. Our homestead forum, our homestead front porch, Facebook group is awesome. I want it to keep growing. I want it to be there forever. If you're not, if you're not already in the homestead front porch, Facebook group, you should be because there are some great conversations going on in there. But I think the forum is even a better place to gather and in the future, as that thing grows and grows and grows, it's going to be a great resource for every homesteader that wants to be a part of that. You can get in there and learn from other homesteaders. You can build community with other homesteaders. You can help other homesteaders as well by being that person who gives advice and teaches others. Come join the Homestead Forum discussion boards, even if you don't want to be part of the all-access Homestead Forum membership community. So head on over and be a part of that. We'd love to have you in there. And uh, again, link in the show notes for that. Uh, the show notes for this episode can be found at smalltownhomestead.com 101, because this is episode 101, and we're on our way to the next 100 episodes. So thanks for being with me, folks, today. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, happy homesteading, and God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.